Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. If I stay in faith, well then what is true in the spirit man will become true in the physical realm. Jesus has provided everything. We just have to know how to appropriate it in our own lives, in our heart. When Jesus says it is done, it was done for me too. And now here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my fifth week of teaching through this series that I've entitled, You've Already Got It. I tell you, this is awesome. This is actually just uh, an application of what I've taught about spirit, soul, and body, about how that in the spirit you're completely changed and you are as perfect in the spirit right this moment as you will ever be in eternity. It's only your physical body and your soul that are being renewed. Your spirit's complete. And this is just an application of that, that in the Spirit you've already got everything. And this week, I've been teaching from Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I hadn't got time to go back through all of that. I really encourage you to get this teaching. If you haven't heard this, this will literally revolutionize your life once you start recognizing that Christ is in you. He's not out there. You don't need Him to come and touch you. Everything that Jesus is and has and can do is already on the inside of you. It's a matter of learning to yield and release what you have rather than trying to earn and go get something that you don't have. That's a huge difference. And so the whole book of Colossians is written from this perspective. I used a lot of scriptures in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Then in chapter 2, he was praying that you would acknowledge Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you would understand what that means, that you would get assured, then that you would get the full assurance, then the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of this mystery of Christ in you. Then we talked about how that Satan's only weapon is deception. He comes to try and beguile you with... uh, philosophy and vain deceit, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And then yesterday, I was dealing with Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, For in Him, talking about in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. In Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. He is God manifest in the flesh, and you are in Jesus, and therefore the fullness of God is in you. And I talked about all of that yesterday. And it just continues to keep making these same points. It's not about what God might do, could do, is able to do if you are worthy and if you do all of these things. It's about what He's already done. And I've mentioned that so many times this week. So in verse 11, it says, "...in whom ye are..." Also, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This is not something that is yet to come. It's something that's already been done. Now, if you don't know that it's been done, you won't benefit from it, but it is a done deal. Everything that you're seeking from God has already been done. You just may not realize it. So it says you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You know, I'm not going to take time to teach on this, but Romans chapter 6 amplifies on this, that we don't have any longer an old man that is dead in trespasses and sins. That's the way we were before we met Christ. 
But when you got born again, that old man died. It is gone, and it doesn't resurrect every day. In your spirit, you are only your born-again spirit that is literally the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ crying, Abba, Father, Galatians chapter 4, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you are born again, you've got the Spirit of Christ, or as Colossians says, you've got Christ living in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have an old dead spirit anymore. Some people say, well, I think I do because you still have some of the same tendencies, some of the same lusts, some of the same desires. The spirit that... Uh, originated, that authored those things is gone. But your mind is like a computer. It's been programmed, and you will still operate in lust and in selfishness and covetousness and all of these things until you reprogram yourself. But it's really important to understand that you no longer have a part of you that is part devil and drives you to sin. You've just got an unrenewed mind. And that's the reason that the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed there is the Greek word metamorpho. It's the word we get metamorphosis from. It's like a caterpillar spins a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. If you want to change, I mean totally change from something that is earthbound to something that can fly, well, then you do it through the renewing of your mind. Your spirit's been changed. You no longer are by nature driven to live in sin. But a Christian can still live in sin if they don't renew their mind, if you don't change your programming. Man, those are awesome truths. Again, I've got a lot of teaching on this. And so again, in verse 12, it says, buried with him in baptism. It didn't say that you should be buried. This is the way it should be. You should die. Through, you know, you ought to just die to yourself. No, it's done. You are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen. Some people teach, well, you need to live a resurrected life. You need to do this. And you are already resurrected. You just don't know what you've got. You aren't living in the fullness of it. Notice the terminology in every one of these. You know, I've been making these same points. There's probably 20 times in these few verses that we've studied in the first two chapters of Colossians that it talks about that you have been made meet to be a partaker. You have been delivered from darkness. You have been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. You have redemption in Him. You have been reconciled. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And on and on it goes. Now it's saying that you have already been buried with Him in baptism, and you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised us from the dead. You in your spirit, man, are raised from the dead. Now, you may still be living a dead, sinful life if you don't know the truth because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What you don't know is killing you. And sad to say, most Christians don't know who they are and what they have in Christ. And that, that lack of knowledge is destroying them. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what the Old Testament said. And in verse 13, it says, "...and you being dead in your sins..." That's before you were born again. "...and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened..." The word quickened here means to make alive. You were separated from God. 
YOU WERE DEAD IN TRESPASSES AND SINS, BUT WHEN YOU MAKE JESUS THE LORD OF YOUR LIFE, YOU HAVE ALREADY BEEN QUICKENED, RAISED UP, MADE ALIVE TOGETHER WITH HIM, HAVING FORGIVEN YOU ALL TRESPASSES. I HADN'T GOT TIME TO EXPLAIN THIS, BUT I DO HAVE A SERIES ABOUT ETERNAL REDEMPTION, AND IT EXPLAINS THAT YOU HAVE BEEN FORGIVEN OF ALL SINS, PAST, PRESENT, AND EVEN FUTURE SINS, ALL SINS, ALL SINS THAT YOU HAVE OR EVER WILL COMMIT HAVE ALREADY BEEN FORGIVEN WHEN YOU ACCEPT THAT FORGIVENESS THROUGH JESUS. IN VERSE 14, IT SAYS, BLOTTING OUT THE HANDWRITING OF ORDINANCES THAT WAS AGAINST US, THAT'S TALKING ABOUT THE LAW, WHICH WAS CONTRARY TO US, AND TOOK IT OUT OF THE WAY, NAILING IT TO HIS CROSS. AGAIN, THIS IS SOMETHING THAT NEEDS MORE EXPLANATION I'M JUST GOING TO SAY SOME THINGS QUICKLY. I ENCOURAGE YOU TO GET THE MATERIALS. IT'LL GO INTO MORE DETAIL. BUT THE LAW IS GOOD IF YOU USE IT LAWFULLY IS WHAT IT SAYS IN 1 TIMOTHY CHAPTER 1. THERE IS A RIGHT USE OF THE LAW, BUT IT'S NOT FOR THE CHRISTIAN. FOR THE CHRISTIAN, YOUR NATURE HAS BEEN CHANGED. AND IF YOU WILL NOW JUST COOPERATE WITH GOD, YOU WILL LIVE A HOLY LIFE BECAUSE THAT IS YOUR NATURE, AND WE ARE NOT SUPPOSED TO LIVE UNDER THE GUILT AND THE CONDEMNATION OF THE LAW. JESUS TOOK IT OUT OF THE WAY AND NAILED IT TO HIS CROSS. BUT FOR THOSE WHO DON'T KNOW JESUS, THE LAW IS STILL OUR SCHOOLMASTER TO BRING US UNTO CHRIST. GALATIANS CHAPTER 3 SAYS THAT. THE LAW SHOWS YOU YOUR SIN. IT TAKES AWAY ANY DECEPTION THAT YOU MIGHT HAVE OF EVER PRODUCING SELF-RIGHTEOUSNESS THROUGH YOUR OWN GOODNESS. IT CONDEMNS YOU AND SHUTS YOU UP TO WHERE YOU REALIZE THAT I NEED A SAVIOR. BUT THE MOMENT YOU COME TO THE SAVIOR, THEN THAT LAW THAT WAS AGAINST YOU, THAT CONDEMNED YOU, THE LAW NEVER COMPLIMENTED YOU. IF YOU DID 99 THINGS OUT OF 100 RIGHT, THE LAW WOULD NEVER COMPLIMENT YOU ON THE 99 GOOD THINGS YOU DID. IT WOULD ONLY POINT OUT THE ONE WRONG THING YOU DID AND SHOW YOU THAT YOU MISSED IT. IF YOU MISS HEAVEN BY AN INCH, YOU MISS IT BY A MILE, YOU'RE CONDEMNED, YOU'RE GOING TO HELL. THE LAW JUST CONDEMNS YOU AND BEATS YOU DOWN, AND IT HAD A PURPOSE. TO SHOW YOU THAT IT DOESN'T MATTER IF YOU'RE BETTER THAN I AM. WHO WANTS TO BE THE BEST SINNER THAT EVER WENT TO HELL? YOU CAN'T GET THERE ON YOUR OWN GOOD WORKS. THE LAW IS TO CONDEMN YOU AND TO SHOW YOU YOUR NEED FOR THE LORD. BUT THE MOMENT YOU COME TO JESUS AND YOU RECEIVE SALVATION AS A GIFT, NOT AS A PAYMENT FOR YOUR GOODNESS, THEN THE LAW HAS DONE ITS JOB AND IT IS NOW TAKEN OUT OF THE WAY AND NAILED TO THE CROSS. SO FOR THOSE WHO ARE IN CHRIST, THE LAW DOESN'T HAVE ANY EFFECT OVER US. WE ARE FREE FROM THE LAW. WE ARE DELIVERED FROM THE LAW. BUT FOR THOSE OUTSIDE OF CHRIST, THE LAW IS STILL THERE TO CONDEMN THEM AND TO BRING THEM TO THEIR uh, NEED FOR A SAVIOR. SO AGAIN, IN VERSE 14, BLOTTING OUT THE HANDWRITING OF ORDINANCES WHICH WAS AGAINST US, WHICH WAS CONTRARY TO US, AND TOOK IT OUT OF THE WAY, NAILING IT TO HIS CROSS. AND LOOK AT THIS IN VERSE 15, AND HAVING SPOILED PRINCIPALITIES AND POWERS, HE MADE A SHOW OF THEM OPENLY TRIUMPHING OVER THEM IN IT. MAN, THAT IS AWESOME. AND I'VE STUDIED this, THIS SCRIPTURE IN THE uh, GREEK LANGUAGE AND EACH ONE OF THESE WORDS, AND there are, THERE ARE GREAT THINGS. LET ME JUST POINT OUT A COUPLE OF THEM. WHEN IT SAYS THAT HE MADE A SHOW OF THEM OPENLY, THAT WORD SHOW LITERALLY MEANS AN EXHIBITION OR AN EXHIBIT. AND WHAT THIS REMINDS ME OF IS WHEN I WAS IN SCHOOL AND WE TOOK BIOLOGY CLASS, THEY MADE YOU GO OUT AND COLLECT, YOU KNOW, BUTTERFLIES AND CRICKETS AND BUGS AND STUFF, AND YOU'D HAVE TO 
uh, put them on a poster board or something and put a pin through them and impale those things. Of course, you killed them. They were dead and you Im impale them and then you wrote underneath there what kind of, uh, you know, insect or bug this was or something like that. And you exhibited them. It was an exhibit. And this is the way I picture it is that Jesus just literally impaled the devil on the cross. I mean, put a pin right through his heart and nailed him to the cross and made a show of him openly, made an exhibit. So I can see Satan just hanging there and all he can do is just talk. All he can do is just mouth and say, I'm going to destroy you and you're going to die of this sickness and your marriage will never make it and you'll never prosper. And he'll say these things, but he has no power to do anything. He's been impaled, nailed to the cross, and he has now made an exhibit, an open show openly. And then the last part of that verse, it says, triumphing over them in it. Did you know that this word triumphing, it was a military term of what the Romans would do. And when they would go out and fight an enemy, they would conquer that enemy and either take the king or the general, whoever was in charge of that enemy that they conquered, and they would take him and they would have a parade. And the purpose of this parade was to show the people that this man who was terrorizing you and came against you, he's now not able to do anything. Because what they would do, they'd cut off both of his, his thumbs so that he could never hold the sword again. They would cut off both of his big toes so that he could just hobble around. He could never run. He could never chase anybody. They would strip him naked and I guarantee you, there's no way that if this man had any power left, if he had any authority to do anything, he would have never submitted to having his thumbs cut off, his big toes cut off, to having stripped naked. And then they would tie him to something like a chariot or a horse. And they would have this parade and they would march him through the town so that all of these people could see that this man who at one time terrorized them and was their enemy has now been totally destroyed. If he had any power left at all, he would not let this happen to him. That's what a triumphant procession was. It was a military term of what the Romans would do to their enemies. And this is saying that Jesus... He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. It was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and he spoiled principalities and powers. That's talking about demonic foes. He made a show of them openly. He exhibited them, nailed them to the cross. They are impaled. They can't do anything but talk. And he had a triumphant procession. And through the pages of the scripture, through these verses that I'm using, and of course there's many others, he has exposed Satan as being a defeated foe. He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I can guarantee you when Jesus rose from the dead, there wasn't a demon anywhere else on the planet. All of them were focused right there on that tomb. They were trying to stop that stone from being rolled away. They were trying to stop Jesus being raised from the dead. Satan marshaled every demon that he had. The fullness of his force was against the resurrection of Jesus, and yet Jesus came out of that tomb and triumphed over them. He destroyed them. These things are shown in the scripture. It's like a parade. It's like a triumphant procession that the Romans had. And through the pages of scripture, Jesus 
HAS PORTRAYED SATAN AS AN ABSOLUTELY DEFEATED FOE. IT SAYS IN JAMES 4, 7, IF YOU RESIST THE DEVIL, HE WILL FLEE FROM YOU, THAT HE GAVE US ALL AUTHORITY IN HEAVEN AND IN EARTH. THEREFORE, GO AND PREACH THE GOSPEL. HE HAS OVERCOME SATAN. IT SAYS IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 10, uh, LUKE CHAPTER... I THINK IT... I FORGOT EXACTLY WHAT CHAPTER. IT'S THE SAME THING RECORDED IN A DIFFERENT GOSPEL. BUT IT SAYS, I GIVE YOU POWER OVER ALL OF THE POWER OF THE ENEMY, OVER ALL DEMONS, OVER ALL SICKNESS, OVER ALL DISEASES. NOTHING WILL HURT US. THE SCRIPTURE HAS HAD A PARADE WHERE THERE'S THIS TRIUMPHANT PROCESSION THAT HAS SHOWED SATAN AS A DEFEATED FOE. AND THE SAD FACT IS THAT MOST OF THE BODY OF CHRIST MISSED THE PARADE. THEY HAVEN'T SEEN THIS. THEY DON'T SEE SATAN AS A DEFEATED FOE. THEY SEE HIM AS AN UNCONQUERED FOE. SATAN IS TOTALLY DEFEATED. GOD TOOK AWAY ALL OF HIS POWER. SATAN HAS NO POWER. HIS ONLY POWER IS TO DECEIVE US. AND IF WE YIELD TO HIM THROUGH FEAR, IF WE YIELD TO HIM THROUGH SIN, THROUGH COOPERATING, IF WE YIELD TO HIM THROUGH UNFORGIVENESS AND ALL OF THESE DIFFERENT THINGS, WE EMPOWER THE DEVIL. HE TAKES OUR AUTHORITY AND POWER AND USES IT AGAINST US. HE CAN'T DO ANYTHING TO YOU WITHOUT YOUR CONSENT AND COOPERATION. I TELL YOU, THIS IS AWESOME. AND I'M TELLING YOU WHAT THE BODY OF CHRIST NEEDS, THEY NEED TO SEE THIS TRIUMPHANT PROCESSION. THEY NEED TO SEE THIS PARADE. THEY NEED TO SEE SATAN IS DEFEATED. THEY NEED TO SEE THAT WE ARE COMPLETE IN CHRIST, LIKE IT SAYS UP HERE IN VERSE uh, 10. WE ARE COMPLETE IN HIM. WE ARE COMPLETE VICTORS. AS IT SAYS OVER IN 1 JOHN, THIS IS THE VICTORY THAT OVERCOMES THE WORLD, EVEN OUR FAITH. WE ARE WORLD OVERCOMERS. YOU ARE SUPERIOR TO SICKNESS. YOU ARE SUPERIOR TO POVERTY. YOU ARE SUPERIOR TO DEPRESSION AND TO LONELINESS AND ANGER. YOU DO NOT HAVE TO LIVE A BEGGARLY EXISTENCE. YOU DON'T HAVE TO LIVE LIKE PEOPLE THAT DON'T KNOW GOD. BUT AGAIN, THE BODY OF CHRIST HAS MISSED THE PARADE. WE'VE BEEN TOLD, EVEN FROM CHURCH, THAT WE'RE JUST AN OLD SINNER SAVED BY GRACE, THAT OUR SALVATION STARTS IN HEAVEN. WHEN WE ALL GET TO HEAVEN, WHAT A DAY THAT'LL BE. BUT MOST CHRISTIANS DON'T KNOW WHO THEY ARE. THEY DON'T KNOW THAT CHRIST, THE HOPE OF GLORY, LIVES ON THE INSIDE OF THEM. THEY DON'T SEE THEMSELVES THAT WAY. THEY SEE THE DEVIL AS THIS IMPOSING FORCE. YOU KNOW, WHEN I FIRST GOT REALLY TURNED ON TO THE LORD, AGAIN, I BEGAN TO RECOGNIZE THAT DEMONS WERE REAL, THAT DEMONS WERE FLOWING AND OPERATING THROUGH PEOPLE, AND THAT A LOT OF SICKNESS WAS DEMONS. AND I STARTED SEEING GREAT MIRACLES. WE SAW PEOPLE WHO WERE HIGH ON DRUGS THAT NORMALLY, JUST IN NATURAL THINGS, YOU'D HAVE TO LET THOSE DRUGS GET OUT OF THEIR SYSTEM, BUT WE WOULD PRAY WITH THEM, AND INSTANTLY THEY'D BE DELIVERED AND SET FREE. WE STARTED CASTING OUT DEMONS. WE STARTED SEEING THINGS, BUT IT MADE ME DEMON CONSCIOUS. AND WE HAD A SITUATION... I WON'T GO INTO THE WHOLE DETAIL, BUT MY GRANDMOTHER LIVED WITH US UNTIL I WAS EIGHT YEARS OLD. SHE DIED, AND SHE GOT SENILE IN HER OLD AGE, AND uh, THERE WAS A LOT OF WEIRD THINGS THAT WENT ON, DEMONIC THINGS. I MOVED INTO HER ROOM AFTER SHE DIED, AND HER PITCHER THAT WAS ON THIS DRESSER WOULD COME OFF AND FLOAT AROUND, AND THERE WAS WEIRD THINGS THAT HAPPENED IN THAT ROOM. AND SO I DIDN'T LAST BUT ABOUT A WEEK, AND I WOULDN'T SAY ANYTHING BECAUSE, MAN, I WAS LIKE EIGHT OR NINE YEARS OLD OR SOMETHING, AND I THOUGHT, THIS ISN'T SUPPOSED TO BE HAPPENING. THEY'RE GOING TO THINK I'M CRAZY. I JUST MOVED OUT OF THERE AND MOVED BACK IN WITH MY BROTHER. WELL, MY BROTHER DIDN'T WANT TO STAY IN THE ROOM WITH ME, SO HE MOVED IN THERE. 
He never said anything, but within a week, He was back. And did you know we just left that room vacant? We would never use it unless we had to use it. I held Bible studies when I, I got turned on to the Lord when I was 18, 19 years old, and people would go into every room in that house and pray, but nobody would go in there. I remember when my niece came home that she was just like, I don't know, six months old, and she'd be perfectly asleep. They put her in that room, and she'd start crying. They'd walk out, she was asleep. Put her in there, and I mean, you could just step in that room and step out, and she'd cry. There was something about that room. We didn't know what it was until I got, uh, you know, into the Word, and I began to realize there was demonic stuff in that room. I don't know exactly how I got there. I think my grandmother probably left it there when she died. I don't know, but there was demons in that room. And one day, I just decided that I had authority over those demons, and I was going to get rid of them. And so I walked in that room. I shut the door behind me, and I started binding these demons and fighting against them in the name of Jesus. And I had this image of these towering demons. I mean, these vicious beasts with large teeth and fangs that were hovering over me, and it was just my faith in me using the name of Jesus that was keeping them at bay. And I mean, I had goosebumps going all up and down my spine. I was fighting fear and all of these things. And as I was doing that and praying, the Lord spoke to me and He says, you got it all wrong. He says, if you could see into the spirit realm and see the demons, you'd see little tiny things like ants. They're just little tiny imps, and they're all mouth. All they can do is just yell at you and speak. They don't have any power. And did you know when I changed that image from being these towering beasts that were superior to me to being little tiny imps that were just all mouth, they had no power except to talk and try and deceive me. I mean, instantly all that fear left, a boldness came on me, and boom, I mean, I cast that junk out, and there was a difference in there. And that night, we held a Bible study. I didn't tell anybody what I'd done, and did you know for the first time in years that we'd been holding Bible studies there, people started going into those rooms and praying and doing things, and it just changed, and, and everything changed. I'm saying that when you understand that Satan is a defeated foe, when you understand that you have already been delivered from the power of darkness and hath been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1.13, when you understand it's a done deal, that Satan is a defeated foe. He still exists, and he is still fighting, but he's fighting through deception. It's all lies and deception. And once you see the truth and you know this, Satan has lost his power. I guarantee you that cancer will be gone, that poverty will be gone, this depression, oppression, discouragement, fear, all of these things will leave. Once you understand Christ in you and you, get, you acknowledge it, and then you understand it, and then you get an assurance, and then you get the full assurance and the riches of the full assurance to the uh, understanding and the acknowledgement of Christ in you and that you are now the victor. Satan is a defeated foe. You've already got it. Once you understand this, I tell you what, it just defangs the devil. It declaws the devil. All he, you know, the Scripture says he goes about as a roaring lion, but he's had all of his teeth pulled. All he can do is gum you. He can't do anything. This book will really help you. It's entitled, You've Already Got It. And I promise you that this would be a, a tremendous blessing to you. I encourage you to get it. I've also got it in Spanish. I've got study guides. I've also got DVDs and CDs. 
And this teaching, I promise you, would revolutionize your life. I encourage you to get it. It would change you. I really believe that. So listen to our announcer as he shares with you all this information. Then please call or write today and join me again next week as we continue the gospel truth. I already got it. And the perfect example is I don't need to be asking the Lord for more or for less. I already got it. And how Andrew Womack says, if I give you my Bible and, and you tell me, can I have your Bible? I already gave it to you. So that just, that example to me means like, I got the power of God in me. I got the answers to my prayers in me. I just, I got it. Andrew's complete teaching title, You've Already Got It, is available in a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. It's also available in a book and study guide in English or Spanish. Each of these products is available for a gift of any amount. Or you can get them in the You've Already Got It package. This package includes the book, the study guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $90, but you can get it today for only $60. Andrew's book, You've Already Got It, is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. And we encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide this book to you free of charge. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Man, before I came to Karis, I was so broken. I dealt a lot with anxiety and depression. I didn't really realize I could have an actual relationship with God. When I came here, I started to see God like, you know, He just wants to have a relationship with me. It totally transformed the way I look at God. God longs to have fellowship with you. This is where faith comes from. It's not just head knowledge, Bible school knowledge, it's revelation knowledge that changes you just been set free from a lot of the bondage I was in. I haven't been depressed in so long. Pretty awesome having that just weight lifted and putting on Jesus' yoke. You come here and you meet God personally, and then He gives you a whole new direction. This is a time, this is a season of your life that God's wanting to show you who you really are and what He's wanting to do in your life. If you have a desire for Bible college, God's the one that put it there. If you're considering coming to Karis, I just want to say it's going to be one of the best decisions you've made in your life. Many of you are aware that we have a Karis Bible College worldwide, but our headquarters is located in Woodland Park, Colorado, and God has really blessed us. We have seen God provide supernaturally, and we now have somewhere around uh, close to $95 million worth of facilities at our main campus. But we owe about $23 million on a parking garage 
And in order to get this paid off so that we can continue with student housing and all of the other things that are necessary for this Bible college, I've started what I call a 1K club. I was praying about this and the Lord just spoke to me that He was gonna be touching people's hearts that can give a one-time gift of $1,000 or people that can pledge for $100 a month for 10 months. And in the next 10 months, I'm believing to get this parking garage totally paid off. I'd like to ask you to pray about it. And if the Lord speaks with you, join with us, become a part of this 1K Club. Have you checked out the Inside Story yet? It's a great way for you to get an inside look of what is happening at Andrew Womack Ministries. With over six years of interviews, there's a lot to get excited about. Check out this month's featured story today, only at awmi.net.